You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. Well, I'm Justin. I know I'm, I'm at the 5 o'clock, which means this is my home service. You know what I mean? This is the most anointed service. Don't tell the 3 and 7 I said that, but give me a, t- a lot of trouble. But, you know, you're at the right church tonight. This is Riverhouse. Even though there's a middle-aged, slightly balding man preaching tonight, you're at the right place. I said slightly balding, Scott. Okay, leave it there. But I'm, I'm from Huntington Beach, California, and I'm 47 years old, which means I was not invited to the Now Gathering. And I don't want to make a big point about that. I'm not trying to make any particular point about that. I'm just saying I was not invited to the Now Gathering, and that's okay. I am thinking about putting together another gathering for non-millennials. Just a thought. I've thought of naming it Now What? So you got the Now Gathering and you got the Now What Gathering. It's kind of got a good ring to it. No, all kidding aside, I love the millennials in this church. You guys are some of the most amazing people I've ever been around. And uh, creative, innovative, uh, you're inspiring to be around. I know as a, as a slightly older person, uh, you're am- amazing. And I just want to encourage, if, there's, if you're at my age and you don't know some of the millennials in this congregation, get to know them. They're amazing people. You guys actually believe you can change the world. It's remarkable, and you're doing it. I love that. Yeah, happy Father's Day. What a, what a great day to be in church. I'm impressed with all the dads in church. I sometimes am not in church on Father's Day. <laughs> and, um, but I want to introduce you to some of my fathers real quick. I have a few fathers. The first one here is my natural father. This is Bobby Ross over here on the right of me in that picture. And that's my father-in-law, Jerry Weary. Jerry's usually here at the 5 o'clock, but he's in Alaska fishing tonight, so he won't be here. My spiritual father, one of them, is Dr. Brian Green, who lives in Anchorage, Alaska, and he's been a tremendous, tremendous influence in my life. I'm very thankful for my fathers. Um, I usually am fishing on Father's Day, and I've got a picture here to prove it. This is, uh, this is two years ago in Alaska, catching halibut and salmon and all kinds of good things. So I have proof that I'm usually fishing on Father's Day. I'd like to honor the fathers in the room, and I'd like to do it a little differently than normal. So here's what I'd like to do, um, but it's going to require your participation, is I'd like in just a minute, not yet, to ask the fathers to stand. And when we, when we have them stand, I'm going to read some declarations that we're gonna declare over them tonight. And I'm gonna read them out, and if you believe or agree with those declarations for the fathers that are around you, would you just say something like yes, or amen, or bring it, or whatever thing you wanna say, that's totally great. So are you guys good with that, if we do that together? So let's invite the fathers to stand all across this room. Fathers who want to, let's put it that way. You don't have to stand. And so here we go. You guys ready to bring some agreement? Here we go. So we declare, first of all, this is a declaration for the house, for River House, because we're a house. 
We declare this is the house of many fathers. Many fathers. We declare that many healthy fathers will come from this house. The world needs healthy fathers. Okay, so we declare that you have a voice in our lives. You have a place at the table. We make room for you here. We honor what you carry. We see the gold in you. You don't have to be perfect. We declare new grace to Father in your life. We pray grace to Father with intentionality, with purity, and with strength. We remove our judgments about fathers that are from the past. We refuse to let our pain of the past shape how we see you as a father. We give you permission to be the man you're called to be. Amen. Let's give it up for our fathers. You know, God wants to upgrade us tonight. He wants to upgrade us. He wants to take what we've got and give us a free upgrade. That's the whole message tonight. He's upgrading our family. And um, Paul says these words in 1 Corinthians 4.20. He says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. I'm going to read it again. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. You know, there's a place for talk. There's a place for talking. There's a place for building understanding. There's a place for equipping. There's a place for all that. But Jesus came and started a people movement, not just from talk. A lot of people talk. A lot of people talk about a lot of good things. But Jesus started a people movement that started with talking, but didn't stop there. It extended to heaven touching earth. It started with talking about love, and then he showed us love. He manifested love from heaven to the earth. And so tonight, the same thing has got to happen. For us to get the upgrade, we can't just be talking. We actually need a release of kingdom power. That's what we need. And you know what? We can't do that just through talking. It won't work. So I'm believing for, let me tell you what I'm believing for. I'm believing for us to steward kingdom power tonight as a family. To believe for not only an understanding about being family, but a supernatural release of family tonight. That's what I'm praying for. That's what the Lord put in my heart. And it's going to require all of us to get there. Amen? Amen. So let's just be not consumers tonight, but stirring up kingdom power. Where you're at in your seat, you're just cultivating the power of the kingdom. God's presence is in his people. And his power is where his presence is. And so you're a people of power. You're a people of his presence. You've got kingdom power inside of you. I know, because you're amazing people. <laughs> yeah, wow.
Well, I love this beautiful family that God's building at River House. I've been here for two years myself, a little over two years. And um, it's been really cool. About a little over two years ago, I was a part of a, a, a meeting that Banning Liebscher from Jesus Culture Church was doing in the area. And in that meeting with leaders, he said this. He said when he was planning Jesus Culture Church in Sacramento, he all kinds of theories about church planning, but what he came to was this. He said, I feel like we're just supposed to build a healthy family and then see how we can change the world. Yeah, that hit me so hard. Wow, build a family and then see how we can change the world. And then about a month later, I landed at River House and I heard Robin and Jordan and the leaders of this church talking about a very similar thing, about being a healthy family and then seeing how we can change the world. I believe there's a unique prophetic calling on this church for family. I'm gonna say that again, because only like half of you got it. I believe there's a unique prophetic calling on this church for, to be a healthy family, amen? I was vacationing recently in um, Western Washington, a little town called Anacortes, and uh, I was in a used bookstore, and I was hanging out with my 12-year-old, Adeline, and she was showing me this book, and I, and I was like, yeah, that's cool, a uh, little book that she was into. And I looked up, and in front of me was a book, and the book was this book right here. And the book name was River House. And I thought, wow, that's pretty odd that I just happened to look up and there's a book with the name of our church on there. So I grabbed the book and I started looking at the book and I was like, this is interesting. And on the front cover, it's got these blueprints on the front. And I'm like, blueprints, what in the world is happening right now? I turned it over and I started reading a little bit about this book and it said these words and these words kind of messed me up. So I'm sorry if I get emotional tonight. <laughs> But here's what the words said. River House is about recreating family. I misquoted. River House is about rediscovering family and working through the compromises involved in finding your life, your people, and the days you actually love. I sat there and I thought, God, you have put a prophetic sign in our culture about what you're building here. You're building a movement with blueprints. Part of the apostolic grace is seeing the blueprints of what God wants to do in an area, in a region. And God's given Pastor Jordan blueprints for what this move, this people movement is supposed to be about. So I grabbed the book. I'm reading the book. I'm not endorsing the book. I haven't read it yet, gotta be honest. But God is inviting us to steward family at a greater level tonight. There comes a point in every family when um, the parents have to release and invite the family to steward the culture all together. And I feel like that's what's happening tonight is that we get to steward family together differently than we've done before. Amen? Okay. 
Family presents challenges. Amen. <laughs> the problem with relationships is that God doesn't do them for us. He doesn't do them for us. He does them with us. God's not going to show up and unload the dishwasher for my wife. He's just not. He's not going to show up and grab the vacuum 20 minutes before company arrives. True? He's not going to tuck the kids in for me. He's not going to sit down and work through a disagreement with my family or my teens. He's not going to do any of those things. But he will give me the grace, the love, the kindness, the compassion that I need to be a father. Family has not been a gimme for me. Not at all. I came from a broken family. My parents divorced when I was two years old. I was born into a world filled with fear and anxiety. Filled with fear and anxiety. And I had developed an elaborate system of self-protection just to survive. And the problem is, is I didn't even know it. I was just, just humming through life until I got married. And then when I got married, all of a sudden, I began to realize through the help of my wonderful wife that there were parts of me that were broken. Anybody else who's married have similar experiences? Yeah. My wife was so helpful in helping me see areas that were messed up. So helpful. And she's wonderful. She's a gift to me. I'm so thankful for her. But marriage became the context of, of my healing. And that's what covenant is about. Covenant love is the context of healing for us. We're wounded in a relationship and we're healed in a relationship. So that's where I rediscovered what family was about, is through marriage. And we're going to talk a little bit later tonight about covenant. But part of what covenant relationship does is it brings new protection to us so that we can let go of our self-protection. I'll say it one more time. Part of what covenant relationship does is it brings new protection for us so that we can let go of our self-protection. Wow, that's deep. I'm going to take a few risks tonight because I just felt like after what Jordan did last week, that was so incredibly risky. We're so blessed to have a pastor that risks. Not risk for the sake of risk, but risk for the sake of seeing breakthrough. And I believe there's breakthroughs tonight, but it's going to come with some risk. And so I, I really felt like if you, um, if you have a desire to be a married person, if God's placed that in you, and you are unmarried, I want to invite you to stand. Desire to be married and currently unmarried. And here's what we're going to do. All the married people are going to go around right now and begin to bless and lay hands on you as we pray. We're going to pray. We're going to stir up kingdom power right now. Begin to stir it up inside of your heart. Begin to stir it up inside of your spirit. 
And let's begin to minister. New grace is coming upon you tonight. New grace. So come on. Let's do it. Stand up, married people. Find some people who are standing around you and begin to pray and declare grace over them. Grace over them. Grace over them. Thank you, Father. God, we're believing you for fresh grace tonight to fall on our family members. We pray for all self-protection, God, to be released. And we pray for new grace tonight. New grace tonight, Father, to fall on your sons and daughters. Bring us into covenant love, God. Bring us into covenant relationship, God. Bring us in, we pray, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Bring us in, God. Bring us in, God. Bring us in, God, to covenant love. Covenant love tonight, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. All right, as we're heading back to our seats, I think we're going to have a few weddings coming up. I think we're going to need to double the size of the nursery budget in a few years, in that order. I felt led to share a few things tonight that I've learned as a father. By sharing these, I in no way want to send any signal that I am a perfect father. I am not a perfect father. My kids will tell you, yeah, my dad's awesome, but he's not perfect. It's very true. But there's a few things that I have learned, am learning as a father, that I just felt like the Lord wanted me to release to us tonight, the fathers in this house especially. And they all kind of come under the banner of winning the hearts and minds of our children. How many of you know how important it is to win the hearts and minds of our kids? Two of us do. That's awesome. The battle's in the hearts and minds. Behavior comes from that, doesn't it? So when we have their hearts, boy, a lot comes with that. The first thing in winning the hearts and minds is as dads, we have to own our stuff. You know what I mean by stuff? Yeah, we got stuff. I got stuff. Yeah, we got to own our stuff. And when we own our stuff, this empowers leadership in the home. It empowers it. I can't, as a dad, effectively hold a standard of righteousness for my kids if I don't hold one for myself. I can't correct bad attitudes if I've got a bad attitude. I can't talk about kindness 
and compassion and teach and train if I'm not kind or compassionate. So it's imperative that us as fathers, we've got to own our stuff. And this really tends to show up in the teenage years <laughs> because teenagers gain an awareness of hypocrisy. <laughs> it's part of their development. It's part of what's happening in them is they're seeing the world and they're going, you know what? I always thought dad was the cat's meow. He's, uh, he's got stuff. So when we don't own that, it creates tons of anger in our kids. So I'm, I'm learning, I've learned to own my stuff as a dad. It's the key to effective fathering, in my opinion. Um, I, I never wanted to send the messages about teens that teens were going to be negative. You know, my wife and I, we just decided that when, when our kids were this big, we just said, we're, we're just not going to do that. We heard people run their teens under the bus, and we were like, ew. We wanted to celebrate our teens. I'm not going to lie. Teens are a challenge. They've challenged me. <laughs> it's true. But I love my teens. They are so fun. We have so much fun together. But part of it is winning their hearts and minds by owning my stuff. And by the way, we have to say it to own it. You can't just own it in here. You actually got to say it. We actually have to say, you know what? I messed up. I'm owning this. I'm taking responsibility for this. And that's number one. We have to own our stuff. Secondly, we have to clean up our messes. Boy, I'm like the bearer of bad news tonight, huh? Aren't you glad you came? You know, when we make messes and don't clean them up, the pain is on the people around us. The pain's still there. We may, like, be able to move on, but the pain's still on them. And that shows up. We lose their hearts. We lose that close connection, that heart connection. Cleaning up my messes takes humility. But God gives grace to the humble. I want to be a dad that's full of grace, which means humility has got to flow. When I clean up my mess, I stop making messes. It's hard. It's hard for me to clean up my messes sometimes, but I stop making them. And when we keep making the same mess over and over and over again, it's probably time to get help. That's what I've learned. When I keep making the same one over and over again, it's probably time to get help. There's books, there's inner healing, there's counseling, there's talking to people about it. Invest in yourself. You're worth investing in. You're worth investing in, fathers. If you keep making the same messes, it's join the club but go get help go find help and watch god do awesome things thirdly we have to model the behaviors that we want to see in our kids you know we can't just tell them what to do we got to show them what to do and um uh, there's a there's a story in my mind that that is not a fun story for me but i'm going to share it because we believe in being vulnerable here so don't stick it to me if you know what I'm saying. Um, but a few years ago was Mother's Day, and I had just had the worst week of work in my entire life. It was awful, and it was it was tragic. There was a tragic thing that happened at my work thing, and it was really difficult. 
um, I was struggling. I was struggling just to keep my head above the water, attitude-wise. And here it is. It's Mother's Day. And so, um, as you can imagine, you know, I, I'm trying to, to make Mother's Day amazing for my wife because I, she's an amazing mom, and I want her to have an amazing Mother's Day. And so, my kids are cranky, and they got stuff going on. And so, I said, okay, that's it, guys, family meeting, you know. Come on in the living room. We all sit down. We're having a family meeting. And, um, and I'm saying, guys, like, we got to get it together. This is mom's special day. And one of my kids, probably my daughter here in the front row, said something like this. Dad, we love you. But the reason the attitudes are bad around here is because you're struggling. Ouch. And she was right. She was right. The, the reason the attitudes had fallen so far was because I was struggling as a person. So in that moment, I'm under this huge conflict in my own soul. I'm, I'm feeling misunderstood and wanting to defend myself and say, you have no idea the week I've been through. Like you don't even have a clue the kinds of ups and downs and all arounds I've been through this week as a dad, and I've protected you from all of that. You have no clue. I wanted to, I felt pride and defensiveness and self-justification just coming, surfacing in me. And over here, the other side of me, I felt like, they're right. They're right. This is my problem. And what if I am big enough on the inside to actually model what being confrontable looks like? What if I could say, you know what? You're right. This is all because of my attitude's been terrible. And so I had to dig really deep, but I dug deep and I said, you guys, you're right. This is my, this is my issue. This is mine, this is my problem and I need help. I'm really stressed. I don't want this to ruin Mother's Day. So that day, I modeled what I wanted them to do. I wanted to be able to correct my kids. And I modeled for them what it looked like when a man, when a father was confronted, how he responds. I'm so thankful God gave me the grace that day to go through that. Because it was a big moment in our family of taking responsibility. Okay, the last thing that I felt like I want to share is we have to build heart-to-heart -heart connections with our kids. You know, heart-to-heart -heart connections, they come about by me pursuing your heart. And this is exactly what fa the Father God does for us. In Luke 15, 20, the prodigal story, it says this, but while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. The father was, was waiting. The father was waiting for the son to emerge. And then he ran toward him. He pursued him. And it wasn't this dry like, hey, how's it going? Right? It was, it was passion. It was a heart-to-heart -heart connection. It was tears. It was, it was hugs. It was kissing him. It was this emotional bond of a father missing his son. And, you know, this is how God fathers us. 
He fathers us through a heart-to-heart connection. He doesn't want to father us from afar. He put his own heart in our spirit when we become born again. How much closer could a heart-to-heart connection be than him putting himself inside of our hearts? And so we have to build a heart-to-heart connection with our kiddos. Amen? Amen. Okay, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter 2, 1 through 10. And um, this last part of what I'm sharing today is about God building a house. God's building a house. He's building a family here at River House. Amen? And uh, 1 Peter was a letter written in A.D. 64 to A.D. 68, somewhere in that timeline. And it was addressed to Jews who were scattered all over a region. And here we go, verse 1. It says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I'm going to skip down to the last two verses. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Wow, that's some powerful stuff in there. Some powerful stuff in there. And I believe this verse is for us. I believe just like Jews were scattered all over the region because of persecution. I believe that God's saying tonight, I've brought you together. You used to not be a people, Riverhouse, but you're a people now. I brought you. You were scattered. Some of you were in other states. Some of you were all across different cities in Idaho. I brought you together. You're a house. You're a spiritual house for me. And so there's a few nuggets that I feel like the Lord wants to just, um, to just put before us tonight. The first one is right away in verse 1 there. Rid yourselves. Rid yourselves. You know, that's another thing where God's not going to necessarily do it for us. He's going to do it with us. And so we got to rid ourselves. What are we ridding ourselves of? Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. These are internal things. God's saying in his word, he's saying, hey, I'm bringing you together as a house. I'm building you into a temple, right? And you're going to have to let some things go. You're going to have to let some, some old clothing doesn't fit in the new thing I'm doing. So you got to partner with me, God's saying, let some stuff go. And it's the inner stuff. It's envy. You know, it's easy to be envious sometimes when people around you are amazing. You know, you see somebody having breakthrough. 
in the kingdom and you're like, where's my breakthrough? Come on, God. What's going on? Right? He's saying, yeah, we got to get rid of that. We got to partner with him and let that go. Amen? Am I losing you guys? Okay. All right. Just checking. So next he says, crave pure spiritual milk. What you crave affects how you grow. Says so right there. Crave pure spiritual milk so that by so that by it you may grow up. What we crave affects how we grow. A lot of people want to grow in the kingdom, but not everybody's changing their cravings. We gotta change what we crave. The world will tell us you're not in charge of what you crave. You can't control what you crave. Right there, he's saying that. Crave. Crave the right things. And watch you grow. Watch God grow you when you drink the right stuff. Right? Come on. We're in charge of what we crave. The next thing is now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Man, taste is experiential. It's an experience to taste. You know, you can see from a long ways away. You can hear from a long ways away. You can even smell from a long ways away. You can touch from any part of your body. But you can only taste from what's right here. You can only taste from what's right here. What does that mean? It means taste of his goodness. It means his goodness gets to be right here. He wants us to be people who taste of his goodness because when we taste of his goodness, it's about intimacy and it's about a God who's close. He's called us to have face-to-face encounters with him. He's not called us to be people who see him from afar or hear him from afar. He's called us to taste that the Lord is good. Amen. I remember my taste and see that the Lord is good moments in my life. The first one was when I was 12 years old. And I was at a summer camp, and the camp speaker said, if you want the Holy Spirit, raise your hand. So I raised my hand. And something came on me that I've never felt before that and felt it many times since. But the Holy Spirit came upon me, and I tasted. Tasted his goodness. Changed my life. Was no longer a book with stories in it. It was a person who was face to face with me. The next time I remember tasting his goodness was in, I was about 16. I was on a mission field in Mexico, the jungles of Tamaz and Chali, Mexico. 
And I had just seen the most powerful pouring out of the Holy Spirit I have ever seen. And um, I was walking down the mountain going, what did I just see? And I remember the Lord spoke to me and said, if you give me your life, I'll use your life to change the world around you. And I tasted and saw the Lord's goodness that night. And it changed me forever. Listen, God wants us to be people who taste his goodness. Taste his goodness. It's not something from afar. It's way up close. I actually feel like there's grace in the room tonight on us as a family. That if you haven't tasted the goodness of the Lord, I believe there's an unlocking that's supposed to happen tonight. I believe that with all my heart, actually. If you're a person in this room that you don't know that you've ever tasted the Lord, would you let us, as a family, just pray with you? Just lay our hands on you and pray for unusual grace to come upon you and to unlock you. That you would find yourself in encountering God face to face face-to-face -face with his goodness because there is no substitute for it. There is no substitute for it. It is a game-changing moment in our lives. Amen. Thank you, God. So we're being built into a spiritual house, and Jesus is the cornerstone. The cornerstone sets the standard it sets the direction, the size, and the shape of the building. And Jesus is building a building. He's building a temple. He's building a family. And he's the cornerstone. He's the one that sets the standard. He sets the size and the shape. Amen? Okay. All right. Covenant love is the mortar that binds the stones together. If you're a living stone, and so am I, and Jesus is the cornerstone in this house that he's building, then covenant love is the mortar that binds the stones together. 1 Peter 1.22 says this, Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Covenant love is what binds us together in the family that God's building here. In my story, I had to learn what covenant love was. I didn't know at all what it was. Covenant in the Bible means a pledge, an alliance of friendship, an alliance of marriage. And so God brings us into covenant with himself and that's our training ground for how to live out covenant with each other. And that's really important. And covenant's always a two-way street. So whether it's Abraham, Moses, David, there was always God extending himself to these men and them returning back in obedience to God. In Jeremiah 31, 31, Jeremiah prophesies of a new covenant that's coming. It's the new covenant that Jesus would introduce when he puts himself on the cross for us. And Jesus said this in Luke twenty two twenty. 20. He said, this cup, 
is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus initiated a new covenant with us that when we come to him, when we have face to face with him, when we taste of his goodness, we then begin to extend covenant to each other in the family of God. Amen? The problem with covenant is it's lost meaning in our culture. Our culture doesn't understand covenant at all. And so I, I see this every day in the counseling office. Um, I work a lot with couples. And a lot of couples that are working on their relationship begin to find out that they don't understand covenant very well. So here's what I call the language of covenant. The language of covenant. It's a way of, it's a sound, it's a way of describing what covenant's supposed to feel like in us. Let me read it to you. I care about you. I let your words influence me. I will tell you if your actions are negatively impacting me. I'm concerned about the things that concern you. I'm committed to learning how to meet your needs. I'm here to comfort you. I'm here to protect you. I take your protests seriously. I'm committed to helping you thrive. I'm here to serve you. I use my attitude, voice, and actions to benefit your life. I prioritize you above all other relationships. I'm committed to helping you reach your destiny. I give you a voice in decisions. I take your thoughts and feelings into consideration. I share power with you. I find ways to make your life better. Covenant love has a ring to it. There's a sound to it. And when two people come into a marriage and they start to live that out, nothing can stop them. Nothing is more beautiful on this planet than watching two people live out covenant love with each other and then introduce that to their own kids. We were made for covenant love. That's the Father. He's saying that to us. And then we say it to each other in marriage. And then we bring it to each other in the family of God. We've lost covenant in our culture, guys. But today, God's renewing covenant in us. He's saying, take my love and let it be the mortar between you as living stones. Take your cues from your father and let that shape how you love each other. Because the father fathers us through a heart-to-heart -heart connection and he's looking for us to do the same. He's looking for us to release love, covenant love to each other. You know, worship is the song of covenant. It's the song of covenant. There's a scripture that says in the Old Testament, it says, he rejoices over us with singing. Can you get a picture of a father that's rejoicing over you with singing? So we come before him and we return the favor.
That's all we're doing is saying, thank you for loving me so profoundly, so deeply. It's my honor to sing back to you. It's my honor to bring my praise and my rejoicing back to you. It's the song of covenant. God wants to upgrade our covenant tonight. He wants to upgrade our song tonight. There's a covenant-breaking spirit in the land. It's in the land. You can see it everywhere you turn. Covenant-breaking spirit. It's an evil spirit. I've seen it in churches. I've seen it in boardrooms. I've seen it destroy ministries. I see it in countless families where that which was once aligned and allianced is being destroyed. But God's actually wanting us to fight for covenant love as a family because covenant protects us. When we're in covenant love with each other, there's protection. There's protection for us. Covenant also prioritizes us. I was sitting in my backyard yesterday, and there was this robin, this bird. And it was flying from the garden to the tree where it had its nest of little babies. And back to the garden, grab a worm, back to the tree. Over and over and over and over, this bird did this. And it was like the Lord was showing me, there it is in nature. She's in covenant with her babies. And her whole morning is spent by prioritizing the babies. How cool is that? Covenant protects us and it prioritizes us. So we are covenant people. We have a collective calling to steward family. As members of the family, we get to do this together. It's not just for Jordan and Robin and the staff to do. We actually have to steward this as a family. And that's the invitation of the Lord tonight is to let him upgrade us, to let him upgrade covenant love tonight. First, tasting of his goodness, coming to him first, the living stone. And then second, letting him build us stone by stone into a temple into a place that houses the very presence and power of God. Amen. So we're going to move into a ministry time right now. And if you would just begin stewarding that kingdom power we were talking about, just begin right now because we're going to need it. So I want to invite the ministry team forward and also the worship team forward. There's a number of words of knowledge that I felt like the Lord had for us tonight. The first one is God's wanting to release a fresh grace for covenant relationship on some of us tonight. That there's many of us in the room 
who actually need a fresh grace to do covenant relationship. Next one I have is there's residue on some of us from a prior season that's affecting your ability to go all in with relationships. There's residue from a prior season. And God's saying, I have, I have the stuff that takes that residue off. God's actually gonna clean that off so that you're fully released to be all in in relationships. The next thing is that I felt like the Lord was saying there's people that have been manipulated or controlled using covenant language. And, um, and God's actually wanting to heal us tonight from that. Um, healthy leadership releases people to God's work. Healthy leadership doesn't control and manipulate people. And so if that's been part of your experience, where covenant love has been used manipulatively or to control you, God's actually wanting to heal us tonight of that. Amen? All right. And then I felt like there's one other one that some of us have covenanted with the wrong things or expired things. Things that we, um, God called us to in the past, but he's not necessarily calling us to in this season. And God, and those things are still uh, orienting our priorities. And God's wanting to refresh that in us. So let's just stand. In particular, if you have or are searching for a taste, tasting of his goodness moment, I just want to invite you forward. I believe there's a release tonight for us if you've never tasted of the Lord's goodness that he's going to minister to us tonight. Would you just lift your hands with me as I just close in prayer? Father, we just receive an upgrade tonight. We receive an upgrade of your goodness, God, tonight. God, would you come and would you upgrade us? Upgrade us the way you love. Would you bring us into covenant love like only you can, God? Fresh installation of love the way you love, God. God, let, let our song of worship God, just be a reflection of our covenant with you, God. We thank you that you're calling us up as a family. You're calling us to steward family, God. And we just receive that tonight. We just receive a fresh grace to do family the way you do family. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the River House Podcast. For more information, visit riverhouseministries.com.